Welcome to The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. Be sure to check out The Contrarians on iTunes, where you can rate, review, and subscribe. We're also on SoundCloud, and don't forget about our main website, wearethecontrarians.com. Be sure to keep up with the pretentious ramblings of Alex and Julio on Twitter, at JamesAlexMattis and at Ovnio. That's O-V-N-I-O. Time for the podcast. just wrapped recording a new episode and we are here to just do a kind of a retrospective it's been two years um two years 34 episodes plus some bonus yeah i was gonna stuff. say it's probably been closer to closer to 40 yeah exactly because when we did the the first year anniversary we had we we're about to put out episode 20 yeah and now we're about to put out episode 34 yeah. but there's a lot more we got ready to rumble. Here comes the boom. We got a lot of those bonus ones thrown in there. Yeah, the Thanksgiving one, the Christmas one. So really, it's it's. I think it's up. It adds up to like thirty eight. Yeah. We're about to put out thirty nine if you were counting the bonus ones. But yeah, uh, something when we worked together previous Julio, just you and me basically saying, yeah, you know, this Rotten Tomatoes shit's bullshit. So, <laughs> <laughs> which it still stands. And that was um, our two time guest Eddie, and I'm sure a future guest always said that. He he brought to light that how people overvalue Rotten Tomatoes. Absolutely, yeah. That's which is because it wouldn't be a problem if everybody understood what Rotten Tomatoes is, and then you'd be like, "Oh, this is just uh, a binary system yes. <laughs> to judge movies." Exactly. And you'd be like, "Oh, okay. Well, cool. I'm going in knowing that," and and then you walk away knowing like that you don't really know anything. <laughs> and now fucking movies are putting on their DVD cases and stuff, certified fresh, certified fresh. It's nobody yeah. puts certified rotten there, which I think that would get my attention. Yeah. If your movie said certified so, rotten, yeah. yeah, I'd be like, oh, <laughs> you, you have balls. <laughs> I got, I got to see this shit. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it is really just someone just like punching in a notch on yes instead of no, and it it doesn't necessarily what we set out to prove, and what I think we've proven at least to ourselves is that it doesn't always work that way. Like mm-hmm. there's movies that are. Fresh. Oh, yeah, fresh. That are not. And movies that are rotten that are fine. It's just the way that system breaks down, especially um, immediately, you know, comes to mind. uh, um, Take Me Home Tonight? Yeah. Like uh, movies like that, another 48 hours, things that aren't inherently bad, but just like based on the system it's ranked on, it's just. Yeah. When when your only choices are good or bad, then. Well, you know, the, you're yeah. you're eliminating all the gray area, the entire gray area. You just left with a very simplistic way of appreciating art, mm-hmm. which, you know, I don't know. It just it gets tricky because if you really, if people are using Rotten Tomatoes as a tool to decide whether they want to watch a movie or not, a red tomato or a green splotch that doesn't really help them. Yeah. But but somehow this this myth that it, it actually carries some value. You know, if it's a red tomato, it's worth going to see. And if it's a red, uh, a green splotch, don't even bother. You Fucking, that, um, one we'll probably have to do eventually unfriended. That shit was like at 30% when I went to see it. And I was like, this is awesome. Like it, yeah, it just, it, yeah. it carries too much weight. 
And yes, it, it carries it carries too much weight. And then the other thing, which again I think that we've done throughout every episode, is can just kind of like prove that you can. If you set your mind to it, you can just talk shit about anything. Yeah. Or you can be positive about anything. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's kind of our way of saying, okay, so you have a blog and you have an opinion. Yeah. So fucking what? I mean, good for you, but th- th- there are people that come on and just because they have access to like, uh, you know, a, a word processor or whatever, then suddenly they they feel like they speak with authority. And I think that we just have fun with the fact that well, no, this is all very subjective. Yeah. <laughs> your shitty movie is my great movie. I have a great time with your shitty movie, and you might hate that movie that I love. Christ's sake, we talked positive about Ready to Rumble. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's a lot of fun in doing so. It really has helped kind of stretch my sarcastic bone and you know things like that in terms of... Uh, and also just being able to look further into things, the things we've talked right. shit about, and the you things just that- it just forces you to look at at something that you like or something that you hate from a different angle, yeah. and then suddenly you discover something new about it. Yeah. Sometimes it's unpleasant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're like, wow, this movie really doesn't have much to do with women. Like, it doesn't have much <laughs> for women to do. And uh, and sometimes it's good. Like, I'm like, oh wow, this movie's a pile of shit, but. The actors are really like giving it their all. Black Sheep was a big one because I have like, uh, I, like we talked about in the episode, a really strong sentimental attachment to it. But looking at it from an objective standpoint, like I found myself kind of deflated, <laughs> and I was just like, "Oh man, I want this to be so much better than it is." Uh, I think uh, I had a closer, a similar experience with uh, Little Shop of Horrors, which obviously is a much better movie than Black Sheep, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> but but I had that thing of like, oh, I thought this was gonna be cooler based on my memories. Yeah. And then when I'm when I'm watching it with the objective of talking shit about it, then we're like, well, there are actually several valid points that I can make <laughs> without you know being serious about it. And that movie hates women. <laughs> yes, there is there is another current of you know you can say well it's just a comedy. And, I mean and, Steve Martin for his role is great, but yeah, yeah, but but there is like the arc you can criticize it and it goes back to what could be the ultimate like the cornerstone of our podcast, which is like when you're with a movie, you will forgive everything. <laughs> well, and that's a movie too that's really interesting when you're looking through it to like the cynical glasses that we have to critique every movie mm-hmm. with the it, like. The musical tone of it does not hold up. Like it doesn't construct a well film, like right? A well made film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, and what it makes, you know, it, I, I think, if I'm not correctly, that's the point that we made on, on Contrarian's Corner, and then in Real Talk, which is like, what the movie is telling you. It's just it, it doesn't come across because they changed the ending. the The happy ending undermines what the movie's been telling you. I just recently saw too on YouTube the footage of like the original. Oh, you saw? You've yeah. seen the actual like yeah. ending, the the original ending? Yeah, with like fucking. Uh, Audrey too, like tearing through the streets of Manhattan and shit. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. Um, but yeah, so it's definitely been a fun experiment, and you know, there's plenty more to come because Rotten Tomato is an endless bag, and uh, yes, <laughs> until people, until our job is done, we will continue to do so. It's like us versus Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> <laughs> and it's a fucking fun thing to do, like because it has, you know, like we said, made me realize movies that I really enjoyed, like their shortcomings made me appreciate movies that I didn't have prior just because of like, you know, preconceived notions. 
and it's really reinstilled what movies are really, really, really bad. So, um, <laughs> and really, really, really good. I mean, I don't think that uh, our podcast has made you love the A Team any less. No, <laughs> more if anything. <laughs> a fantastic film so you know we for our one year anniversary did kind of a reflecting thing um for this one we're gonna kind of hand out some you know uh proverbial awards some imaginary awards for this i think okay so i still think that like the the good awards should be called the ethan embry awards some contraries contraries the contraries which are divided in two groups yeah the ethan embry awards <laughs> And uh, what do you call the bad awards? The Lauren Linney Awards. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I think you're tipping your hand there, uh, sir. Uh, or, or maybe not. No, but uh, let's not forget how bad she was in Man of the Year. Was she bad? I, 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 I mean... I mean, she's not a bad actress, and that's a terrible film, but that's like <laughs> a legendarily bad performance from an actress. I think it's a legendarily... Uh, like the service done to her, you know what I mean? Like I don't think that you could put anybody in that role. I don't know how they could have done any better. Okay, so we'll do the Ethan Embrys and the Scott Cans. Scott, yes, yeah. <laughs> Scott Can did not give a shit during that movie. <laughs> All right. Every now and then, like you can see him like putting away his cell phone in between takes. <laughs> All right, so there'll be the Embrys and the Cannies. The Embrys and the Cannies. Okay. Um, but yeah, so two years ago started with uh, night, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Jesus, um, Nightmare Before Christmas. Nightmare Before Christmas, which is funny because we were just talking about how it's been so long ago and neither of us has listened to it. Yeah, so don't go back and listen to that. But I have a friend, I think what brought it up is that I have a friend that just started listening and, and she decided to go and start with number one. Well, God bless her from starting from the beginning. <laughs> she she said she planned on listening more, so it didn't completely scare her away. But, uh but yeah, it's we were still finding our footing, so to speak. And but in those two years, we've watched uh, close to forty films. Um, over that, over that, yeah, because yeah, the Rob Zombie and, and Christopher Christmas, Columbus. yeah, 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 we're yeah. past forty. So yeah, we've watched a lot. So we break down. We're gonna do actor, actress, and movie, and we're gonna do the Embry and the Canny. So obviously, the Ethan Embry being the positive, and the Canny the other side of the coin. Right. I mean, Scott Can, like we said, that's from a. Uh, uh, Right, Rumble. Ethan Embry, we're talking about Ethan Embry, obviously from Empire, Empire Records, Records, where he's just like MVP does not do him justice. He's just <laughs> he's just the soul of he the He was movie, young and ready to take movie. on Hollywood. He was gonna make his mark no matter what. So Julie and I have not discussed our opposing sides here. Um but we'll go ahead and start with the actor. So for the Embry I did give honorable mention to Eddie Murphy for 48 hours just because of um, how great he was. And yeah, especially when you consider that that's his, like, his arrival yeah. in feature films. And peak in many ways. Yeah, you could argue that yeah. too. But uh, my true Emery, and again, we're judging this based on what was brought to the film, not necessarily you know who won the Oscar, that type of thing, but someone who gave a genuine effort and really added something to the experience. I gave it to Henry Winkler as Marty, and here comes the boom. That is such a fucking excellent pick, and I cannot believe that I, I, I didn't think about it. <laughs> because when I, was, when I was going through movies earlier today at work, I wrote Henry Winkler on, like, you know, I was going booby my movie, but then 
right now when I was scrambling to like remember everything, I didn't I didn't think about Henry Winkler. He adds so much to that film and it would not be as enjoyable without him. I completely agree. He is the soul of the movie. Yeah, and it's not one of the, it's not a great movie, but he gives this effort that's like god damn it if this is the last thing I do, I'm going to have made this movie. And he gives everything about him and it's just especially the last scene where he like gives him the big pep talk and everything. He gets he gets like his Oscar speech there. Yeah. It's yeah. And it's one of those things almost that that movie is not deserving of that type of performance, but for what we look for and kind of like critique and judge and kind of have fun with here on this podcast, that is the performance that I thought took a movie to a different level and he single-handedly did that. Yes, I I agree. Like I said, I'm kind of embarrassed that he, like that I forgot at this point about him because I had like I wrote down like my short list and mm. I actually had Kevin James for Here Comes a Boom because to me it was kind of like a vindication of and he also physically career. lost like a hundred pounds for that <laughs> right. movie. There, there's that, but it's also like if you'd been like for some reason following his career, you're just like you're going to Here Comes a Boom expecting just more of the same, but then suddenly it's like oh this is actually good. You know, and it was like it was him reminding you that he's actually a quality performer that yeah. just had been making shitty movies. Yeah. But but no, I mean, yeah, the heart of the movie is Henry Winkler there. Uh, so so it really comes down to I had and I'm making my decision right now because yeah. I, <laughs> I I'm gonna give you my runner my runners up Peter Sarsgaard for Green Lantern because he fair I mean he goes he was for in it. on it he goes for it it. It fails. He does not succeed like Henry Winkler <laughs> did. But but he was, you know, he he fucked up his hairline. He just <laughs> he he went for it. Uh, uh, Tom Sizemore for Natural Born Killers. Yeah. I mean, in a movie that's just like with Filled people fighting over the top performances. Exactly. Somehow we're still laughing about uh, Mickey. Mickey, I'm coming to get you. <laughs> that's, uh, but squeeze I, my nipple. <laughs> yes, that's, I mean, come on! Almost every movie you you remember, it, it every scene you remember from that movie, it has Tom Sizemore playing a role there. Uh, but I think that finally, if I go with my heart and just like the guy that just completely steals the movie uh, for me is uh, Dan Fogler in Take Me Home Tonight. Nice. Which again, Dan Fogler, you think of him, and you know, it's not like you think of a respected comedian. You mostly think of like, oh, this guy can be funny, but he's usually in shitty movies. And but here, I can't. I mean, I know for one, our friend Eddie, he 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 hates him. I don't know if he hates hate me taking me home tonight, but I don't think that he's very impressed with Dan Fogler's performance in it. Yeah, uh, I am, and I know you are. In I, I imagine a lot of people, you know, would just watch the movie and at the very least would agree that coked up Dan Fogler is pretty funny. <laughs> so uh, I'm gonna try this. <laughs> yeah. It's just, He's he's great, uh, and uh, yeah, he gets a, the Ethan Embry Award, the Embry, the Embry. So we we move on to the canny of the worst, and mine was easy. Like I didn't like I immediately came to it was Kira O'Donnell as Vic Sims in Paul Blart Mall Cop. <laughs> really? Oh God! Like I remember watching that movie for the first time in the theater and just being oh it's so bad. And that guy, Kira O'Donnell, I've seen him in a couple other things. He's in a Wedding Crashers. Wedding something. Crashers, yeah. Right. But fuck. <laughs> you know, 
Him. No competition, especially for the fucking the doldrums we've reached on this <laughs> Christmas with the cranks, fucking ready to rumble. Like, yeah, it's he he takes the candy hands down. Uh, I see. I'm actually I'm more lenient with him because I would actually consider him. I mean, I can't really consider him for the for the Embry, but I would put him in the Peter Sarsgaard category where like it's a shit movie. And he was just like, well, fuck it. I'm here already, so might as well give it my all. And, and well, there's nothing he can do to, again, you can put anybody again, Peter in Peter Sarsgaard, role. though, had the luxury of, like, four hours of prosthetics put on his face. <laughs> so at least, like, he could pretend it wasn't him. After the movie was over, it was like, no, that was just some guy that and looked like And then he like had him. to sell fucking CGI effects that weren't finished. <laughs> uh, him and uh, uh, Tim Robbins. Oh, God, that's the best ever. The fucking... Friday the Thirteenth Two Death. Ah! Uh, yeah, but no, I, I, I'm actually. It was very tempting to just like pick anybody from Christmas with the Cranks, but that was that seemed too easy. So I dug a little deep, uh, deeper, and uh, I also landed with, in, on Paul Blart. But I will go with Kevin James as Paul Blart. Really. Because, especially because, motherfucker, we watch Here Comes a Boom and he's good. <laughs> so, Paul Blart is the antithesis of his work in, in Here Comes a Boom. It's just fucking easy joke after easy joke. It's like, haha, I'm fat. <laughs> Laugh with me. Laugh at me. You know, it's just, yeah. it, it it angers me in a way that, you know, the bad guy, whatever his name is, like, he didn't make me angry. Joe Donald, but, Vic Sims. Yes. Awful. <laughs> but But he's not offensively awful where no, it's like, no he is <laughs> kevin james he's he has the line where it's like here's the bad part i'm the bad he says something and it's just oh god uh, kevin james the fucking mustache and he's just like it just like dude do you remember i mean i know i haven't heard in a while and you probably haven't either but i do remember that uh Paul Blart is probably the angriest we've been during the yes. real talk. And and that's for a reason. That's because fucking Especially Kevin James. Because Bobby Cannavale is your guy. And you <laughs> right, and like... I feel betrayed. But but also, Kevin James, he's done better. And and just that shit, it's just, it's just infuriating. You it's know? unforgivable. <laughs> and yet we forgave him. Because then we watch Here Comes a Boom. Yeah, and, that's true. and we're like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. We're like, okay, good. You made a movie after Paul Blart that was great, and then he did Paul Blart too. <laughs> we're like, fuck you. <laughs> back, uh, back to the doldrums. Yeah, but yeah, uh, Kevin James gets it for uh, for here for Paul Blart Mole Cop. All right, move along to actress for the Embry. Um, I didn't even have a runner up. I thought this was pretty clear cut for someone who added something to a shit movie and took it to another level. Ellen Ripley, Sigourney Weaver in Alien 3. I thought that her performance in that movie was far and away the most redeeming thing about that movie. Uh, the way that she sells the alien encounter, I thought was fantastic. And then, of course, the ending of the film, which uh, either way, there's obviously the, the two dramatically different endings where the alien bursts through her chest and she falls into the lava. And there's the other one where right. nothing happens and she falls into the lava. Uh, terrible movie, but I thought she really added something to it. And, you know, it's like David Fincher, you know, you can't blame him for all that because that's one of those movies that was apparently chopped apart by the studio and all that shit. Uh, but I thought she gave a genuine effort and in every frame of that film, she came to play. So, See, I thought you liked Alien 3 more than that. Because I like Alien 3 
overall. Uh, so that's why, to me, her being great in it, it's just like, well, yeah, but the movie's not bad. I mean, to me, that's uh, that's kind of like ballsy and and kind of a franchise disruptive. <laughs> 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 Fuck it, kill them all except for Ripley. Yeah. Uh, but uh, to me, I mean, I agree that she's great, but I like a lot of it. I think that Fincher, even when you take into account the troubled production, you know, it's still... But of course, I remember before we recorded that episode, I'd watch both. I watched the regular version and then I watched the director assembly. Yeah. So at this point, it's all like blended together. So I don't remember what's in the theatrical and what's just in the regular. And uh, I think that when you mix them all, when we mix them both together, you come out with a better movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but... But no, no Ripley for me because that's still her being good. I, I mean, in the end, this like when we do our three, four, five, six, whatever year anniversary, this will become the Liv Tyler Lifetime Achievement Award. <laughs> Every year, at least one Liv Tyler movie. It, yeah, it, it will become that for her. But for what we're going for right now, yeah, definitely. Um, well, I have a controversial pick, but my runner-up, as uh, Anna Ferris and Take Me Home Tonight, because she doesn't get a flashy role. Anna Ferris usually, when you see her in movies, no, it's it's brilliant because she's not she has no scene in which she's like made up. Right, she's she's actually she's dressed down yeah. for this movie, and 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 she doesn't really get like any crazy like comedy. You know, she's she's just very downplayed. There's and, no uh, fucking observant report moment where she gets raped. <laughs> No, no, yeah. <laughs> no. They're like this movie. No, we're just gonna keep it in the background, but still, but she still manages to get, you know, get some funny lines in there, get some like good acting. She has that moment where she reads the letter and she finds out that she didn't make it in. God damn, and, yeah, she like proves her worth as right. an actress. You're like, okay, you didn't get any flashy shit, and you're still memorable. You still like got some stuff in a movie that's, uh, you know, where like the two guys get all the laughs. You yeah. know, Dan Fogler and uh, and Eric Foreman are just like really, they're they're taking the spotlight. But uh, and this is not because I didn't want to repeat "Take Me Home to, to Take Me Home Tonight" on my on my awards. Uh, there's still somebody who has like an even more courageous, more memorable performance, and you're gonna hate it. And I'm surprised that I get it there, but that I got it there. But Kirsten Dunst and Elizabeth Town, whoo. Yeah, she. But she, I can see your point, right? Because she, she, there's a lot of bad adds. stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of bad stuff, but the good stuff is good. The good stuff is better than you remembered. Yes. When you watch the movie, you're like, that oh. movie was better than <laughs> right. I remember. Over, that's the story of that <laughs> yeah. movie. Th- that movie is better than you remember. You know, when at first glance, when you when somebody says Elizabeth Town, you're like, ah, oh, fuck that movie, and you think of her like taking the fake pictures with her with her empty hands. Yeah, that's no, that's bullshit. But the quieter moments, the, the moments that are not about like the funny dialogue, the little transitions where you can, act, especially after you've seen the movie once and you know what's really going on with her and you know that her boyfriend doesn't exist and you know that there's a lot more sadness inside her. Uh, her acting is pretty spot on in those moments. Dude, you had like references seen to me, not seen, but moment to me, and I just blah, blew you off. But when she sees Mitch at the funeral and she goes, Freebird, huh? Like, it's <laughs> fucking wonderful. Yes, it's so good. It's so good. Uh, uh, there's uh, there's also the moment when, uh, uh, I know we mentioned it on the episode, when she comes out of the elevator and, uh, and she the elevator opens and she's like 
she finds herself at the party. I think it's like the bachelor's party or yeah. the bachelorette's party. But everybody in the that's there that greets her starts like hollering and clapping and whatever because they assume that she's had sex, which I think she's had sex with him by then. But but it's like there's this there's this transition that goes from like her normal self to like the facade that she puts on for people. Yeah. And it just happens and you see it happening. You're like, holy shit, that's acting happening yeah. in this movie that I'm supposed to hate coming from this actress that I'm supposed to hate because, you know, that's what I remember. But no, uh, she's... Uh, and also the... Yeah, we peaked on the phone. Right. That's that perfect delivery. Fantastic. Perfect moment. Yeah, yeah, that's that's all good. So there's, there's a lot of uh, really good stuff that, you know, in a movie that's not perfect, but in case you we didn't convince you the first time around, it's like... It's much better than you remember. <laughs> it is. And, you know, with hindsight and also Aloha being there <laughs> God, to benefit. Dude. Someday, when there's been enough time like, between <laughs> Elizabeth and we'll do Aloha. And uh, there is a, I'll, we'll I'll say this. I'll say this about Aloha. Uh, I don't know. At some point, something happened that got uh, this song, uh, Everybody Wants to Rule the World. It got stuck in my head and then immediately reminded me that. Alec Baldwin's character in Aloha, there's a moment where he, there's a party. And uh, your boy from uh, Eastbound and Down. Um, Danny McBride? Danny McBride is Kenny the, fucking Powers? Yes, Kenny Powers, he's the DJ. And Alec Baldwin walks up in his like fucking military uniform. And he goes up, up to him. And Already he, done. He just, he just tells him, he just tells him, uh, everybody rules the world. By, I don't know, who sings that? Tears for Fears, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. So everybody rules the world by Tears for Fears. And uh, and then walks away, and then, you know, they start playing the song. And it's just so fucking forced. <laughs> it, because you're used to Cameron Crowe being pretty good at soundtracking a movie. Yeah. And, and, and yet this it was just like, it's literally a character telling you the song that's about to play. <laughs> and, and not just that, but his character, Baldwin's character, is supposed to be greedy and, you know, he's like a, 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 in the military and all this stuff. So for him to ask for the song Everybody Wants to Rule the World is so fucking on the nose that it's just, it makes me cringe. I love it, Almost Famous so much that hearing that makes me, I've, I've not seen Aloha, but it makes me fear watching that movie. It's It's really sad. It's really sad to watch. I am glad that he seems to have rebounded, Cameron Crowe. He has a, a TV show on Showtime now. Uh, I think it's called Roadies. And from what I've heard, it's supposed to be good. So that's cool. He bounced back. It's like, I guess he hit rock bottom with Aloha, and now he's he's back on. But with all that being said, and make no mistake, it is nowhere near as good as Almost Famous. But Elizabeth Town is not as bad as I remembered and it's not as bad as that's legacy is. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we made that clear in that episode. I yeah. think that after, especially, it's just such a like, in a non gimmicky way, we we accomplished it because you didn't want to watch that movie, and then we watched that movie, <laughs> and, <I was laughs> and like, you yeah, liked it. Yeah. Bad. yeah, it's just that whole Orlando Bloom experiment left a bad taste in yeah. all our mouths. Yeah. All right. So the canny, the canny, for uh, the actress award. Um, so. I originally picked Laura Linney for Man of the Year, but like you said, it's not something that she necessarily did wrong. Right. I mean, she has that horrible like breakdown scene where she, you know, right before she gets committed, or you know what I mean, like when yeah. she's just like freaking out at the at the cafeteria or whatever. But that movie's just terrible overall. Right. It was, yeah, it's in the running for the worst movies that we've ever done. But in the end, there was no more 
performance worse or more offensive to the female gender than Jessica Alba and to the Fantastic Four. <laughs> Awful. Um, I, she was cast solely on the purpose of having a scene where she's in her bra and panties. Uh, I, I thought about it, you know, when I was going over our episodes and uh, I don't know if it's just that her badness is very like uniform with the badness of everybody else. It's not like she's bringing the movie down. I mean, the so, movie starts. Yeah, that, that's badly. not a good movie. It, 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 yeah. And I've seen her be good. Granted, it's limited. Um, she. What, what's your Jessica Alba movie that you like? Or do you have one that you like? <laughs> at least it's the, the one killer that you inside hate. me. Oh, I haven't seen that one. Yeah. Which at the same time, it's not. <laughs> Spoiler: Her role is that she ends up just getting the shit beat out of her by Casey Affleck. But like, she's good in that. Um, I've seen her in comedic things that I enjoy from like Saturday Night Live type shit. And um, but this is just like awful, <laughs> and the whole movie's awful. Yes, but. She in this especially it you know accent negatives accentuate or yeah like uh, you know you accent the positive accentuate the negatives that type of shit like that's what this movie strives to do you you know this movie makes no attempt to hide her negatives it's just like all right let's make her like recite terrible lines over and over and over again like yeah it's not good uh, yeah Rise of Silver Surfer the sequel had been playing. Uh, on HBO, it was on rotation a couple months ago, and it felt like every time I got home from work, uh, much like the last month or so, every time I got home from work, the Entourage movie was on. Uh, <laughs> a couple months prior, every time I got home from work, Rise of Silver Surfer was on. And so I would watch like bits and pieces and think like, oh man, that'll be fun to do with the podcast, but I don't know if it's like too close still to like the original. And that movie is uh, is better, in my opinion. It's more fun to watch than the original Silver Surfer. I agree uh, with that. The original Fantastic Four. And, but also, so which means that you cut everybody, including Jessica Alba, a lot more slack. You're like, oh, okay, you're kind of embracing the campiness of this thing a little less awkwardly. <laughs> fucking Galactus's <laughs> shadow at the end of that. That's how fucking dumb that movie is. Uh, but yeah. yeah it, so, so that's why, I, I mean, I can't really hate on Jessica Alba. Uh, but mainly it's because I don't think that she she brings down anything she's just she's just in line with the badness of everything else i think that it's like you just said it's kind of a shame for like actresses everywhere cuz she's like she's the female role in that movie you yeah. know and it sucks yeah <laughs> but but yeah it's it's a terrible movie and she's not a particularly talented actress to begin with and that movie does nothing to buck that other than they specifically write a scene where she's like undressed where she doesn't need to be the the we we discussed that on the go back and listen to it we, <laughs> episode 11 we discussed that that like she's just in her bra and panties for no reason in broad daylight and i mean there is a reason just not within the movie <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> excuse me <laughs> um no yeah 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 i i no i i mean i can totally i agree I but just... yeah it, and it's one of those things i've seen her be good in the right scenario so to see it used that way and that it, it immediately came to mind and it's again just, it's, it's a peek into the future she has a she has a pretty funny cameo in the entourage movie joy <laughs> you have that to look forward to yeah i know ronda rousey's in that movie too <laughs> so many people in that joy movie. There's, there's so many people 
Um, I, I, I'm actually surprised that your pick was not uh, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis from Christmas with Cranks. I, much like you, I tried to cut down because we talked so much <laughs> shit about Christmas with the Cranks. It would have been because, yes, obviously, Jamie Lee Curtis is a phenomenally talented actress to be fucking saddled in a movie that terrible. Is that really has does. her, like, chasing after a frozen ham. Yeah. And uh, is it a ham? Yeah, it's a ham, right? Because she can't find the turkey. Yeah. Or, or no, it's a ham, but she can get the ham, so she ends up getting something else. Uh, but it doesn't matter. Because right? two parents don't have the balls to stand up to their <laughs> fucking child. Yeah. But also, it, there is that scene. I'm speaking of of actresses getting naked or showing skin for no oh, reason there is yeah there's that scene at tanning salon that's just kind of like really awkward to watch uh so but but yeah so i had her as my runner-up but i ended up landing on uh hidden panettiere from scream 4 wow i know i I was kind of, I mean, I'll tell you this. I had trouble. This one was like the canny for worst actress was where I had the most trouble. Like I kept going back and forth, you know, up and down the, the, the list of movies that we've done because I really, it was kind of revealing that I'm like, compared to when you're looking at actors, you're like, oh, I have so many options. And when you're looking at actresses, not that many because most movies have more male roles than female roles. So that automatically cuts down the the competition. You have you have less roles to look at, and then as I was watching them, like I told you when I was looking through them, I felt bad calling them like bad performances because I'm like it's not really their fault. Well, let's be honest. We both considered Re- Renee Zellweger's meltdown <laughs> in Empire Records. I didn't. I did because, like I said, I've actually I developed such affection for the movies that we've done that yeah. even like the bad spots, I was like. Oh yeah, no! Empire Records is a perfect film. I'm like, yeah, that's bad, but but overall, you know, it's good. I'm, I'm actually more inclined to give him the the uh, the Embry, you know, because because she brought it. Oh no! Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, but like that's widely regarded as like the famous scene of that film. Yeah, but. yeah, that's the like uh, Saved by the Bell. The yeah, exactly. Elizabeth I'm Burke. so excited. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, Hayden Pantier, interesting. Is it because of the whole? She's smart and then falls for it in the end. And yeah, I mean, I don't think and she's also terrible. the whole diva niche of her contract. It, it's not. Oh, I've forgotten about that. About the fact that she couldn't die on camera. Now yeah. I'm like even more secure on my on my pick. <laughs> Giving her the candy. Yeah, I'm like, fuck you. You get the candy. <laughs> uh, no, but it, it it was more. It's not so much a craft pick in this case because I think she does like like most of the people that we've discussed. It's like she does okay with what she's given. You know, it's like, well, how could you do make how, how could you make this better? But but there is something about her character that uh, just it feels phony. And I remember Eddie mentioning it in the episode where he was like, they were selling the character of Kirby as this like really cool character, and I can see kind of like the the skeleton of that where you're like, oh, she's like, uh, there's a lot of new characters in the new Scream, and she's the cool one. She's the one that's self aware and she's independent and whatever. And then that character betrays itself and is betrayed by the movie in, in the last, you know, in the climax and last yeah. act. And it's just, it just leaves you a bad taste, you know? It, not that I was that enthralled by her character to begin with, but just the fact that she just, the way she goes is just so dumb and so, uh, 
I mean, I, I would like, yeah. And it's like, if you have a clause in your contract that, uh, that says that you are, that they can't kill you on screen, then maybe you should also have a clause in a contract about how, like, you know, maybe your character is not allowed to become really super dumb in the last <laughs> 20 minutes of the movie. Uh, so I really, when I think of Hayden Panettiere and Scream 4, I don't think of somebody that brought something to a movie that, even though it's very bad, in my opinion, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's like, oh, but she shines. No, I, I think of her as somebody that was supposed to shine and instead just was like, eh, nobody cares. Fair enough. I mean, Scream, is, Scream 4 is a great movie. But... <laughs> Do All you right. like her in that movie? Um. I think she, yeah, I mean, I can concede to your point, Eddie's point. She starts with a lot of promise, and then it just completely, like, fucks her up. Like, then she just becomes, oh, I'm drunk, so I'm going to make out with this dude. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get killed now. But, of course, her anatomy fascinates me in terms of she's literally half the size of the man she's married to. So, Who's she married to? Vladimir Klitschko. I don't know who that is. That's a wrestler. He's a boxer who was the heavyweight champion of the world. <laughs> Close enough. Same for, thing. Boxer, yeah, wrestler. For the past 10 years. But every time I saw them together, it was just like, he, I don't understand how this works. But um, yeah, I can see where you're coming from. Because anything that movie does to build her good, it literally deteriorates mm-hmm. the last 10 minutes of yeah. her role. It's like the exact opposite of, of Emma Roberts in that movie. Hayden just gets killed by like the most recent production of the Culkin compound. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So disappointing. <laughs> All right. So it brings us to the grand finale, Rand McNally uh, movie. So we'll kind of go backwards from here. We'll start with the canny. Um, so we end on a high note. I yeah, like exactly. It. I like it. Okay. So obviously... This is a, we have to have the same pick in this one, I, I would imagine. Christmas with the Cranks? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was so bad. So I made a point to make a backup. Uh, Christmas of the Cranks was just so fucking terrible. Like, I was angry. And the the way the circumstances that was viewed under was we did the Christmas, uh, Christopher Columbus. Right, yeah. The Christopher Columbus Marathon. And so, like, Gremlins, Hall- or uh, Home Alone, Home Alone 2, good movies. <laughs> at the very least watchable movies like i wouldn't tell you that home alone 2 is a good movie like we covered the episode but i will watch it and i'll watch it again and again home alone 2 is fucking godfather compared to fucking christmas with the cranks (laughs) yeah but we watched those on our own time and then we came together to watch that before we recorded and like that was the worst experience recording for me because i was so angry after watching that fucking movie it's just so like the plot makes no sense the acting is terrible, and fucking Dan Aykroyd, I wanted to punch him in the fucking face the whole time we were doing it. He gets an honorary canny for that. Yes, exactly. He Whatever below the canny is, <laughs> he gets the Arquette. <laughs> but so with that being in mind, because I knew that was going to be our same uh, man of the year was my... Yeah, I can totally see it. I, 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 I That movie, that was... Tough to sit through too. I mean, I was you had already seen it, but I hadn't. And uh We we had like some laughs, but it like kept going. And, and it kept getting weirder and weirder. It it really it becomes more of a thriller as it goes on and 
and its plot is that of oh John Stewart becomes president and that's interesting right but then it abandons it and yeah. it just becomes a thriller and I I mean that's one of the things where like honestly if we if we hadn't been watching it to record an episode on it, there is no way I would have kept watching that movie. Yeah. Which is kind of like what you said about Christmas with the Cranks. <laughs> You're like the only the only reason I watched it all the way to the end was because we're watching it together. Yeah. You know, and that's yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, my runner up, however, is uh, and this is gonna piss some people off. Another forty eight hours, which you know Brandon Curtis loves, but I fucking I thought that was especially because <laughs> we watched it as you. Faithful listeners might remember we watched them in opposite, inverse order. So we watched another 48 hours first and then we watched 48 hours. Yeah. And 48 hours is so good that I already didn't like another 48 hours when we first watched it. And then after watching the original movie, it's even more of a slap in the face that they made such a sloppy sequel. 10 years later. 10 years later. It's like it took you 10 years to come up with this shitty follow-up that does nothing of interest with the characters. It just it's just either a retread of jokes that only worked the first time around or just like just this weird I don't even know what to call it, you know? Yeah. The the Iceman turns out to be like a small character hey, from the, It's the Iceman. That's the Iceman. Yeah, fucking extra <laughs> turns out to be the bad guy. Yeah, um oh, what do you call him? Like, you know, the extra with lines. Yes, one scene in the first movie, I think. And that's yeah. yeah. So that that movie is, uh, it's kind of, yeah, it's offensive what it does with the legacy of the original movie. The yeah. original movie is so good, and then it takes that and it's like, fuck it, we'll just let's see if we can make some money out of this. And it's directed by the same guy, which is just like what makes it hurt the most. It's Walter like, Hill. Walter Hill. He does great with 48 Hours. And then it's like, what happened 10 years later with another 48 he Hours? He weighed like, down by all the bags of money the studio put on him. <laughs> was it directed under gunpoint? Yeah. He's like, <laughs> cut? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, not good. I can feel that. That, that was a really disheartening one. Um, but all right, so... The Embry for movie that we've done for in our two years. Again, you know, we've done Jaws, Magnificent Seven, Ready to Rumble. I'll just say this because because it was not eligible, even though we just watched it before recording this. But I it might be just because it's so recent, but I, I was I so wanted to put that thing you do. It's a great uh, film too. It, it, because just because the whole experience of watching it again and watching it with you and it it, it just I, I yeah, I, I was very, very uh But the main thing to keep in mind, it we're we're judging here on what our criteria is and what we're trying to disprove and what we're moving along here and what we think elevates films in general. So obviously we're going on that uh fucking modern times would be the best film. But it's not. My judge for the Embry goes to take me home tonight. I I I can go with that. Low score in Rotten Tomatoes and high. A, a completely fine, not bad, inoffensive film. Yes. I would show it to anyone and very proudly I'd be like, wasn't that good? And yeah. if they didn't think it was good, I would think that there was something wrong with them, <laughs> not with the movie. <laughs> I am very secure on how good that movie is. I agree. Uh at the same time, I did honestly my pick. I went through all of them, and I was like, "If it can't be that thing you do, uh, I, I just I landed on Modern Times <laughs> because 
And here it is. I know it's one hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It has nothing to do with one hundred percent Rotten Tomatoes. It just has to do with the fact that there is. Uh, it's still a movie. I mean, that hundred percent Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it's hundred percent Rotten Tomatoes, but it's coming from, you know, critics. I I would really I would like, like normal people, not like film buffs, to watch Modern Times. Yeah, you know, and and just have them react to it and. And I think that they would be... There's no way you can put a person, in my opinion, without something being wrong with the person, there's no way you can put a person alone in a room watching that movie where they don't laugh or don't emote. Exactly. And But it was... Because, you know, I hadn't seen it since I was in film school. And there was this... The experience of watching it with you, because you hadn't seen it, yeah. right? Yeah. And it was just... It was reassuring. It was like, yes, this is fucking good. And not because I'm like, oh... I mean, you're a film buff, but... It was still because you hadn't seen it. I got to see it through your eyes, and yeah. it was just cool. You know, it was just to see it that it just works. Everything that was supposed to work in that movie works, and it's not like I'm not giving it the the Embry because it's the best movie quality wise out of everything that we watch, but because out of everything that we watch, it's the movie that that deserves the most recognition in the sense of like, oh, this movie, yeah, I'll make you watch it. Yeah. You know, regardless of the ratings. Forget about the ratings. This is a movie that you should watch and not don't come in thinking, oh, it's a hundred percent around tomatoes or like, oh, this is uh, a classic or whatever. Just watch it. Just watch it and enjoy it. And it's like I, I don't know what would have been like if there was a run tomatoes back in Charlie Chaplin's day. You know, <laughs> would this be a hundred percent or would people be comparing it to like, oh well it's not the kid or it's not the gold rush or it's not you know? Yeah. Uh, so I I give it to uh, Modern Times. If I was not give it to Modern Times, for the same reasons that you mentioned for taking me home tonight, it would be very tempting to give it to Here Comes a Boom. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're talking about a movie that has a score that's completely undeserved. Yeah, it, it's a movie that was that it's yeah, it's no Modern Times, but it's also so much better than people would expect. Yeah, uh, as a movie, I'll be like, just watch it and make up your own mind. It's, I, I don't know if I can relate that to Take Me Home Tonight, but Here Comes the Boom certainly was a movie that people went into already with their minds made up. Yeah, I know we mentioned that in the episode. Yeah. Where it was like a lot of that. What's it? Thirty eight, thirty six percent. That's from like critics that went in saying, "Fuck another Kevin James movie," and they just had their notes already typed before they even watched <laughs> the movie. I, I, I do want to mention. My favorite episode out of like our second year, I think it's the Chris Columbus episode because we covered so many different things in that one where, you know, like I said, we did Gremlins, the two Home Alones, Rent, and Christmas with the Cranks. That's like a fucking roller coaster of a filmography. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and we we really liked some stuff. We really hated some stuff. It was just, I, I really liked that the way that that conversation went uh, all well, over that the place. Was, I made it 15 minutes into rent and turned it off. <laughs> yes. Was, nope. <laughs> Julio can do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been a lot of fun, and uh, I'm looking forward to many more. Um, yeah, I mean, not. it's possible uh, that thing you do would have been my top one also just because yeah. that's such an enjoyable movie but but you know i think it's good that we left it out of the competition because we just watched it so yeah. it's it's just too we're close. riding high yeah yeah uh, uh a couple other like trivia things that i wanted to mention uh because we did on the first anniversary episode our most popular episode it's according to just like website numbers it's 
it's a fight between the A team and uh, goddamn right and the Punisher. They both they got the most reactions on Facebook and they got the most visits to the website. So that doesn't count like really iTunes downloads. It's just like people that clicked on the link on Facebook and went to the website and yeah. interacted with the whole thing. And uh, yeah, the A team and uh, and the Punisher they really they elicited some responses from people. I don't know if there were people. I don't even know. That's the thing. I don't know how well, many. Well, the A team's people... a great movie. So, I mean, yeah, not <laughs> <laughs> about great, but it's like it's a good. good, good it's a movie. It's a cooler conversation, uh, and uh, and yeah, same thing with the Punisher. Um, on the other hand, our most recent episode, it follows. It's funny because uh, you know what I've been doing for the last like ten episodes, maybe or so, is like once we put them up, I'll put them on Facebook and. You know, I post them under my Facebook, and then I post them under the Ovnio Films Facebook. And so under the Ovnio Films Facebook, I can boost them. Like, you know, you have the option where you, like, you pay, like, 10 bucks, and then they're like, okay, we're going to have – it's going to show on people's feed as, like, a sponsored thing. Yeah. And uh, I couldn't do it with uh, with It Follows. And I, I didn't try again because I'm like, we don't need it at this point. But uh, I think it was because of the photo that I used on the website, which is not, like – particularly like it's not like a steamy photo or anything it's just the photo of her after they've had sex and she's leaning out of the car and she's like playing with the grass and he's coming behind her to like chloroform her uh i guess that was too much for facebook they're like (laughs) fuck that we can't allow this so they they like turned down the the application for like promote that thing they also did with punisher uh but i figured out that punisher was because the first time when i was describing the the episode i said something about like that sissy Thomas Jane Punisher. And I think that the word sissy like triggered something. <laughs> they were like, fuck that. No, we can't put this on. Uh, so I changed it to something else. I think I, I changed it to wimp. And then it went through. Nice. Uh, so yeah, um, that's funny the way Facebook works. <laughs> I'm like, all right, you want my $10? That's fine. <laughs> By the time episode 40 comes around, or the three-year anniversary, we could be talking about uh, Dolph Lundgren. He could be getting the Embry. It's, Just gotta get some time for it to settle. You know? Right, yeah, we have to we have to let it let it sink in. Uh, of course, you know, we have said that episode forty is gonna be this is forty. Mm-hmm. So that could be all the awards. <laughs> that could get everything. <laughs> the the embryos and the cans. And it could be All the cannies. All the cannies and uh, and all the embryos too. It could be maybe we'll split. You'll have it as worst movie, I'll have it as best movie. A, a rewatch will change my mind. We'll see. But that's been two years. Willie and I are air toasting right now. Yes. So, uh, yeah. Stick around. Plenty more to come. That summer of 19-